Welcome to our podcast where we talk about everything there is to talk about from an LGBTQIA lens from across two places in Southeast Asia. I'm D, as in, don't get me started. And I'm O for always, see what I did there? Know your status. And this is Cray from the Straits. Okay, cool. Hi, welcome everyone to episode, I think this should be episode 17 um, of Queer from the Straits. Um, and today we have Rainer Tan with us. Is it Dr. Rainer Tan or is it Rainer Tan? Which do you prefer, Rainer? <laughs> I feel like doctor adds an, uh, an element of legitimacy that, you know, that elevates your presence to the pod. <laughs> do you have a preference? Uh- <laughs> yeah, no, I yes, please, please uh, call me Raina. Okay, we have Raina on 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 the pod today, uh, and we're gonna talk about you know um his background, you know what his um uh, academics of um research papers uh, touched upon, and obviously his social work, which has been amazing, um at least in Singapore. Um, so without further ado, Raina, do you wanna introduce yourself to our audience? Yes, you can call me Raina. I go by he, him pronouns. Um, mm-hmm. Like, my day job would be in research. I'm currently... Okay, so, like, I'm currently supposed to be in China now. But oh. uh, because I'm with the University of North Carolina Project China, which is, like, a mm-hmm. Chinese office doing research there in Guangzhou. But, you know, I haven't been able to go because of uh, visa issues. Uh, so, I'm still in mm-hmm. Singapore. Um, I'm also, like... Still, uh, a visit have I have a visiting position at the Saucy Hawk School of Public Health at NUS or the National University of Singapore mm-hmm. um, as well. So that's my day job. I, mm-hmm. I like research. I'm happy doing it. Um, I guess on the side, I'm I'm also uh, trying to volunteer uh, quite a bit with uh, community groups. So I have been part of the greenhouse, part of the uh, the, the 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 team or the board who's uh, you're trying to develop programs there, doing research there. And mm-hmm. uh, more recently, I have uh, joined Project X as part of their board. Um, so I do want to contribute more um, for the health and you know, social needs of uh, sex workers in Singapore. And mm-hmm. um, uh, at, at least, you know, for my uh, public health background, there's a lot that can be done for uh, the groups that these organizations are serving. So I'm very happy to be volunteering with them. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you see, Rena is a man of many hats. So Rena and I have known each other for a couple of years, both professionally and socially. So professionally, I've actually invited Rena to, um, in, you know, in my day job, I, I head up um, the LGBTs of employee network um, in, in, in my company. So I had Rena on and, you know, he was a great panelist and we spoke about intersectionality um, and a social side, you know, I, you know I, I think we have a couple of mutual friends and I know the work that you do at Greenhouse, which is great. Um, and we actually have Alaric uh, on next month. Um, who obviously you work with at, at Greenhouse to talk about, you know, cam sex and substance abuse. So we won't probably won't touch on that in this episode with you. Um, I think where we kind of want your expertise on um, in this episode is really talk about HIV um, as well as the messaging for you equals you and to, to un- uninitiated you equals you is, uh, I guess... A uh, simpler way to say um, undetectable equals untransmissible, and we'll get to that on what that means. Uh, but before that, um, I kind of want to, you know, uh, get to know you on a more personal level. I mean, I, I really do, but like, you know, 
introduce you to <laughs> our audience on a more personal level. So like, um, so you were recently inducted into Prestige 40 Under 40. How was that experience like? Um, I, I, I don't really, I don't really want to make like a, a big thing out of it, you know, because like, I, I mm-hmm. feel that, okay, it's, it's nice to, okay, it's nice to know people are actually reading my research, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it is something that a lot of academics kind of fear. It's like, oh, am I just doing mm-hmm. things and then no one's reading it because, you know, like I just publish and it's just out there and sitting there. But it's, it's nice to uh, know that there is some kind of um, impact outside of academia. But at the same time, you know, uh, I also try, like, on a very personal level, I feel that I, I don't want to make a big deal of it because, um, you know, like, being able to be on something like that, it, mm-hmm. you only see the, the, on a very superficial level, uh, where, what I'm doing and, you know, what, what kind of um, privilege I have, but uh, to get there, um, you know, as stepping stones, right? So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to focus so much on the um the accolade itself, but yep. I'm very very happy that uh, uh I'm able to just um you know get the word out there that yeah there are there are vulnerable communities about uh, vulnerable groups in Singapore that need need uh, more focus on in terms of policy in terms of like uh attention you know in terms of like social uh social. I don't know how to put it, like social uh, attention rather. So um, yeah, just really happy about that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a platform you can use to kind of, you know, espouse, you know, the messaging you want to uh, you wanna create, right? You know, you know g- g- giving more sort of light to the marginalized communities, which you do with your a- academic work um, as well as your social work. Yeah, I mean, I think I was reading a bit of your, your, your research paper on like looking at, you equals you critically. Um, and I was just interested in like how you, you, you came to like this area of research, like, yeah, like maybe like, yeah, what, what drew you to this particular um, aspect and yeah, just like kind of how, how, how you got started on this journey in doing this kind of research and academic work. I guess in public health, right? Is that what you're kind of talking about, D? Uh, yeah, in, in general, in, yeah, in public health and and like I guess specifically like in researching um, HIV and how it affects like marginalized groups. Mm. Um, no, I thanks for the question. I it, it's a little bit of um, well, I, I took a few twists, like uh, some turns in like my own like trajectory in terms of my career. So, um, I went to business school first mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years and. Um, you know, just some life, I like, I think, I, I've mentioned this in other podcasts also, but, you know, I, like, I don't want to make it, make this episode about, like, substance use, but, you know, I've had my own, like, uh, experiences with it, you know, involving going to uh, uh, inpatient rehab for it, you know, and that mm-hmm. was actually, like, a nice, well, okay, it wasn't nice, but, you know, it was, like, a, it was a break uh, in my, my career trajectory uh, mm-hmm. while I was in university, so, I actually dropped out of um, business school at SMU back then. Um, but when I returned, you know, I was really, really uh, interested in the social sciences, you know, because it was just like a, um, something that I really wanted to do to give back to society at that point in time. And one thing around sociology that I really enjoyed was this idea of like stigma and discrimination and how it impacts health outcomes. Um, you know, and that's, that's where I, uh, you know, started to connect this like academic interest with, you know, 
personal experiences of being in the uh, the queer community, you know, like the, at least the gay, uh, gay bisexual and queer male community, right? You know, you're always bombarded with like uh, messaging around HIV, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I just I also realized that there wasn't much research on HIV in particular in Singapore, and you know, yeah. I think that's where like my interest grew because you know, like I always felt that you know we need more research, we need more things that are published to uh, advocate for um, changes in policy. And so I think mm-hmm. that's where my, my interest uh, started from. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, thanks for sharing, you know, thanks for being vulnerable on this podcast, which is what we, we aspire for. <laughs> um, um, I mean, before we delve, obviously, into the, the, the main topic, which is on, your, you know, your research, HIV and U equals U, um, just going back to Project X. So what is that about? Do you want to tell, tell us a bit on, on, is it with Vanessa? Is she still there? Yes, Vanessa ah, is okay. the executive uh, director of Project X. Um, oh, cool. So Vanessa, I, I mean, I, Vanessa and I went to uni together, by the way. But I haven't spoken to her wow. in a long time. Yeah, I, I should reconnect with her for sure. Um, oh. Yeah, so you can tell her I say hi. Anyway, go on. Yes, Project X. Okay, yeah. She, she, I think she, she definitely needs to get on this podcast. <laughs> you know, she's got a lot to share, <laughs> for, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I won't, I won't, you know, I won't speak on project actors we have mostly yeah. because even though I've joined the board and I've joined the board as a president recently, uh, during COVID nineteen, I was doing research with uh the school of public health around how um it impacted sex workers in Singapore. Um, so based mm. on that work, um, you know, it was, I guess I knew of Project X and Vanessa's work and the sex workers uh work um before this project, but you know, I started to. Uh, see more in detail, you know, how outreach was being done, um, you know, the, the, the needs of uh, sex workers and how they've been um, disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, mm. um, you know, and how policies actually don't help, you know, in actually uh, leveling out some of the like inequalities that they face, right? Cool, very cool. Um, and, and, and Project X, like just for those who are uninitiated, um, advocates for sex workers' rights in Singapore, is that correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, they've been around for a while. Yeah, I mean, I I'll, I'll definitely catch up with Vanessa soon, and maybe we can have her on a pod one day. D. We can yeah, have definitely. Episode on sex workers, right? Which um, I think it's it, it's an area that I definitely am not very um familiar with, but definitely wanna, you know, have 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 a further grasp on, I suppose. Great. So I think um, maybe we can, you know, delve, dive deep into, um, you know, the, the, the main focus of this episode, which is about, uh, it's two sections, I think. Uh, one is about HIV and uh, the other, which is related, which is you because you, right? So I think, um, you know, just sharing my personal, you know, experience or, you know, the, the, the acronym HIV, you know, it, it's as a gay man. You know, growing up in the 90s, uh, to early 2000s, which, you know, where I kind of uh, figured out my, my sexuality. It's the boogeyman, right? I don't know whether it, it was the same for you, Raina. Uh, it's, the, it's the proverbial, you know, black box under the, the bed where it you know, comes up and like, boo, you know. It's like, you know, there's always this affiliation where, you know, if you are gay, you'll get HIV and then you get AIDS and then you die. And I think growing up with that kind of mindset has always been quite traumatic, um, I think it's, it's and, you know, now in my 30s, I've, I've learned to kind of, you know, retroactively look back and think that, you know, did a lot of um, the fear of me coming out was it to do with HIV. I think a, a part of it, yes, because 
Um, I think being gay in itself is really quite hard, but I think being gay and then with the associated affiliation with you could get HIV and then die, um, and the stigma that comes with being gay and also then uh, probability of getting HIV was, um, it, it's 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 strong enough to 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 scare anyone away, right? At least in in the in in the early two thousands when you know I was in my adolescent years. Um, what, what 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 was the experience for you? Like, what, how was that for you? Like, growing up with 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 that notion. Um, yeah, I, it, your 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 experience resonates because I do feel the same way. It's just one of those things that, um, you know, not just within the gay male community, mm-hmm. but it's like straight people will tell you, <laughs> you know, like that mm-hmm. you know, as a gay, um, you know. As a queer male um, individual, you know you are likely to, you know, in some way. You know, so there's a little yeah. bit of like stigma, and there's a there's there's a I mean there's that kind of um, uh, like very very like insidious kind of like latent like stigma over there, right? That, mm-hmm. that yeah. So I I do feel that it did tie into like a lot of fear during my uh teenage years and even my like you know like late the early 20s you know like basically constantly um uh feeling fearful after each like sexual encounter or you know after mm-hmm. each um uh, each time you know I, I i met someone or you know like uh after each uh date or relationship that i had you know like it was just something that i was really fearful of it made my it made my life uh a little bit uh you know just living in fear in some ways uh. for sure i remember there was one time when i think it was 20 when i you know it was Maybe one of the first times I after I had sex, um, I went to a for some reason I think I was back in Malaysia um for I think summer holidays or something, and I wanted to get tested right, and for some reason I don't know why I didn't go to an anonymous clinic. I went to an actual public hospital, and then I remember I went there for HIV like test, and the nurse was telling me that, um, you know you should probably go home and bleach all your clothes. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. And I was just like, uh, okay, like, I'm, you know, the test hasn't even come out yet. And really, she's really telling me that you should probably wash all your clothes with bleach. And it was that moment I was just like, wow, this is like some next level bullshit, right? Because um, at that time, I was really studying in the UK. So I had some sort of, you know, exposure to, you know, what it means um, and, you know, what the, what the disease means and what it doesn't mean, you know, specifically. Um, so that was interesting. Um, Dee, what about you as a queer woman? You know, mm-hmm. how, what, does HIV bring any impact? Um, I think, you know, I think it's been more, I've been thinking about it more as an adult. Like I, I started having attraction to women when I was a teenager and like, yeah, it just wasn't like on my radar. It wasn't like sex with women or like other queer people. Like hate, like it, it's not similar in that I wasn't thinking about HIV, but actually um, when I've had sex with men, and I had um, like a like a few years ago now, like I think in in twenty fourteen, I I had an STD from a, a male partner who like we had unprotected sex, and then I realized I had an STD, and I was like, oh, you know what? Like actually, that was quite risky behavior on my part because like I know this person um, does have a lot of sexual partners, and I I and and you know at that point in my life I was. Uh, in my mid twenties, and so like I'd had um HIV, like I'd had HIV tests before. I'd had SCD tests before, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually more with my my sexual encounters with straight men that I've like felt like my health 
was somewhat at risk for different reasons. Um, and I've thought a lot about the HIV and AIDS, I mean, about the AIDS epidemic that was, that happened in the 80s and 90s. Um, I think I, when I was in college, one of my professors, he was like a young gay man during the AIDS epidemic in the US. And so mm. um, we, you know, he, he, it was very personal to him. We watched like uh, a couple of documentaries about AIDS together as a class and, and, and like I, I followed the AIDS Memorial um, project on on Instagram, um, where people can share mm-hmm. about their, um, you know, yeah, the, the the memories of their loved ones who they've lost to to AIDS. And um, I, I just like I think about it a lot about how we've lost because of the the stigma like early on, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the refusal to like research this and like think about medication and treatment um how many like gay elders we've lost in the community because like a whole generation of men was like wiped out because of the stigma and the the systemic discrimination so i think mm-hmm. i i don't know for me like i i think about it as a queer person now as a as an adult a lot like um like the stigma that that people had early on and yeah just like how actually women like were played an essential role at that time like like lesbians actually helped gay men like they would come in and and try and help in hospice and stuff like that and then like I think a lot of straight women too who had gay male friends you know would try and be caretakers and and supportive and so like I think about my my role as a queer woman in that way and also um I don't know if you've found this in your research, um, Rainer, but like queer women, I think are very ignored when it comes to sexual health education. Like there is amongst queer women, there's this idea that we can't get STDs or like, like queer sex between women is is safe. And so like, you know, I remember once, like I had kind of the opposite experience of you all. Like I went to um, my university health center in the US and I was dating a woman at the time and the the nurse practitioner was like asking me she was like oh are you on on birth control and I was like yeah I am but I am like my my sexual partner right now is a woman and she was like oh so you don't need birth control (laughs) and I was like Mm. I mean yeah I, I guess I don't need contraception to prevent pregnancy but like and then she just like didn't ask me any further questions like are you having safer sex or like, you know, anything. And, and, and this was when I was in grad school and I went to like a very like queer affirming undergrad. And like, we had a sex education talk where it was like kind of more queer inclusive. And, you know, they talked about things like dental dams for sex. If like you're, you're a woman um, and dental dams were available if at, at our health center, but yeah, like this, my grad school was like less, I think, queer affirming, I guess. So it's like, yeah, the, 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 and the ironic thing was like the nurse had a, a pin that said like, I'm an ally with like a rainbow. So it's like, it's not like she was bigoted or anything. Like she clearly had the intention of wanting to be like uh, inclusive to everyone, but like she just didn't have the medical knowledge to then talk to me about like what this safer sex 
between queer women look like <laughs> which I thought was mm-hmm. like it was kind of funny yeah so like I don't know it's it's different I guess I don't have that same react like yeah like queer sex isn't as I guess dangerous like or like it doesn't have that kind of stigma um, and fear attached to it but yeah it, it's more I think my my sex life with men that's I feel sometimes has um been had that element I guess of, of fear or yeah um yeah and I you know I just I think just two things like I totally agree you know like um wait based on like documentary I also follow the AIDS memorial page <laughs> I bought yeah. some like t-shirts uh, you know from from them and you know I, I I do know that you know in in the the whole like HIV AIDS like history you know queer women have been part of uh, you know that that whole timeline and you know the whole advocacy around HIV you know from the very beginning you know either as you know um, part of the part of part of um, like like you mentioned you know hospice care nurses um, and you know I think advocacy for like treatment and all that as well um, you know I think there's a lot of like queer solidarity um, you know not it, it, maybe we don't see those dynamics in Singapore or you know like around here uh, in this time you know like the the the, the death sentence kind of like uh, um, uh, uh, that feeling in the air is no longer uh, really there. But yeah, you know, I totally uh, agree. And you see that a lot in um, uh, pop culture, you know, like references or so, you know, if you watch Pose and all that, you know, mm-hmm. all these things are all reflected um, in on TV. The second thing is that, you know, truly, I totally agree as well. You know, like sexual health has been totally focused on pathology, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. actually like, um, with pathology, there's also like uh, an uh, increased attention and focus on what is the thing that causes the most pathology, right? And, you know, it's always like HIV, you know, like STI, and, you know, which groups are most at risk. So some groups tend to be ignored because of all these like funding decisions or policy decisions, right? You know, like minority groups always tend to be ignored in these. Um, so I, I definitely hear you when you say that, you know, things... Uh, for queer women, you know, sexual health is ignored, not just in terms of the STIs, in, in the sense of like, you know, the non-pathological side of sexual health, you know, like enjoyment, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I think these things are all definitely uh, under-researched and also like, uh, I guess, under-implemented. Yeah. The both of you sharing how like, you, you associated sex with this fear, right? Um, because like, and it's not like sex positive like the messaging you're getting isn't like yeah like you like sex is this source of pleasure and these are ways in which you can like be safer and and still get pleasure like that's just so i think generally everywhere is like kind of absent like there are some spaces where that might be people might make that effort but like yeah i feel like a lot of it is very fear based and pathology based like as you said like yeah and and for it for you for everyone and I think that's so sad like um you know like it's it's like and it's it, I think it just shows like how much more work we we have to do to like to change like some of that messaging Raina do you want to talk a bit more about your research on HIV testing because I, I was reading through and I read this at 11 p.m last night and so I might not have read through it completely <laughs> Um, but I'm sorry did... to put you through that. No, no, no. It was great. I mean, like it, it, it was definitely learning that I, 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 I was very happy to learn. Um, but maybe not on a Friday night when you're semi hungover and drunk. Um, but can can, can we talk a bit more about your research um on HIV testing? Because you did a poll, the Y poll, I think you called it or named it. 
um, with 35 men in, in, in Singapore on HIV testing and stigma. Like, can you tell us a bit more about that research and, and, and what, any findings there that might be interesting to, to note? Mm, yeah, I definitely. Um, so HIV testing was the topic of my uh, graduate school like PhD thesis. So um, I did a lot of work in that area. This this particular study, uh, we were actually looking at you know what were what were people's like lived lived experiences you know specifically like gay, bisexual, and queer men. What were their lived experiences of HIV and other uh, STI tests? You know, I, I think, think this comes a little bit from my own lived experiences as well. You know, what mm-hmm. I hear in public health, you know, it's like, oh, we need sensitivity training. You know, we need very non-discriminatory spaces, you know, for people to go and test. But, you know, my personal experience was, you know, I knew that there were anonymous test sites out there, but I really didn't want to go to them because, mm-hmm. like, I was afraid of seeing other people that yep. I knew. Understood. <laughs> or, Same. Or, Same. you know, like, just. I didn't, I didn't want to see other queer men at all because, you know, I just felt a lot of shame around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my own research, I was thinking, you know, is it really about the space needing to be safe or is it really about a lot of the things that I've learned along the way, you know, from like my formative years all the way to the point where I want to test. And when I talk to people um, in the community, I think what uh, came up was the idea that, you know, a lot of the, the, the internalized stigma, a lot of the... Um, perceptions of stigma and anticipated stigma that we that uh, uh, we feel at the clinic, you know, or the or or prevents us from going to the clinic, actually is learned not at the clinic level. It's right. learned throughout our whole lives, you know, like from the media, from mm-hmm. our interaction with uh, people around us. So, uh, I mean, this has implications for like the kind of uh, interventions or recommendations, right? Like, I feel that um, we cannot address HIV without addressing, let's say, homophobia from a general, like, societal, like, uh, standpoint. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to kind of um, uh, draw those things together with this piece of research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, O had the experience at the hospital where the nurse was, like, yeah. saying inaccurate. Oh, dear. Yeah, and Singapore has this archaic law where if you are HIV positive, they will kick you out if you are a foreigner there is either you go anonymous or back to home country or another country to get tested. So it's almost then, um, and I, I would imagine your, your research trainer was uh, with local men, I, I, I assume, um, with, with the survey sample. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's just this added, it's really there's so much, you know, discrimination against gay men and it's, uh, discrimination against, um, you know, if you are a founder of HIV positive, but then there's this added layer of, you know, the, the government actually not wanting to hear at all if, you know, something does happen to you from, from a health perspective. The fear of being kicked out and then you lose your income, you lose your country, you lose, you know, there, there's so many uh, repercussions there that, that, that I think as someone who's not... Uh, going through that uh, doesn't have to think about yeah so that that's that's something that is you know not great about singapore i mean i don't know whether you know this reina is singapore the only country that kicks out people who are positive do you know um i don't think we're the only country but mm-hmm. you know i would say that we are one of the uh, you know, one like it's, one of the few, <laughs> one, one one of the few, you know, like I guess high income, you know, countries mm-hmm. that still do it. Um, you know, it's really backward. You know, like I have no qualms saying this. You know, it's mm-hmm. really um not evidence based. It's not scientific. It's entirely political. You mm-hmm. know, I say that there is no public health 
uh, interest in keeping uh, HIV criminalization laws. And even, you know, like, even the founder, the person who discovered HIV uh, and a whole bunch of international experts have come out, like, in the last few years with a consensus statement around HIV criminalization, you know, and I think it's just something that is um, really archaic. Yeah. Mm. Um, could you could you talk a bit about HIV criminalization? Like, I mean, I think like, um, you know, I, I, like honestly, I think like a lot of this is like lost on like younger queer people. Like the like some of these these terms. Like, um, could yeah. So could you talk maybe a bit about like what HIV criminalization is and like what are yeah. So one example is like yeah, like if you're found to be positive, like you could lose your visa, get kicked out of somewhere. Like, what are, what, yeah, maybe you could speak a bit about that. Right, right. Okay, so I think that's, that's, um, let me just uh, try and get the terminology right. So HIV, like migration law, right, for, um, you know, not being able to get a visa and all that. Um, you know, I think that's uh, discriminatory against HIV because, you know, we've really moved, uh, so usually what these uh, migration laws they, they do is if you have HIV, you either can't uh, have a long-term visa. Some countries actually, like Singapore, before I think 2012, um, we used to bar visitors and even tourists who have HIV. Mm, you know, it's only like in the last decade that if, if you have HIV, you can come in as a tourist. Yeah. Um, but we still uh, bar long-term uh, uh, passes from being issued to people living HIV. Um, so there, there are these levels of like, um, you know, like restrictions. Um, so those are like HIV uh, migration or immigration laws. Uh, on the other hand, there are HIV criminalization laws, which criminalize, uh, you know, there, there are all these little nuances. You know, some countries, they crim- criminalize, uh, like for Singapore's uh, Infectious Diseases Act, you know, being, so if you know that you are at risk of HIV, you need to tell your sexual partner that you are at risk of HIV or that you have HIV. Um, because uh, it's worded in such a way where it's not that you have HIV and if you never tell, it's a criminal offence. The thing is that now it's worded in a way where if you suspect you are at risk of HIV, you actually need to tell the other person that uh, you might be at risk of HIV. <laughs> you know? Before so, you have that, sex? or like Before what? you have sex. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a... I mean, no one has been... Uh, um, you know, like, prosecuted for this idea of suspected HIV before, apparently. Because um, I just asked uh, one of my friends, Daryl, who's a, a lawyer, and he, he wrote a really, really awesome piece on, you know, arguing for decriminalization of HIV. Mm. Um, yeah, and more recently, because of um, this whole you equals to you paradigm, or this whole, uh, you know, undetectable equals untransmittable, which we can talk about later, mm-hmm. um, there are some countries actually changing their laws to uh, align with the scientific evidence yeah. around like you equals to you. So like, uh, I think more recently it was Taiwan uh, this year. What did Taiwan do? Sorry. As in they're saying that if you're undetectable, you can live in the country or? Um, so I think for Taiwan, you can, if I'm not wrong, you can actually uh, work there. You know, right. Even if you have HIV. Uh, but now in terms of HIV criminalization, uh, they do take into account if you are undetectable yeah. and you are non, um, non, so-called non-infectious, they, they actually recognize that there is no risk to your partner. Mm. And this is yeah. aligned with the scientific evidence that has been coming out. Yeah. 
so basically HIV criminalization was like originally like it, it like people could be prosecuted for intentionally exposing another person to HIV basically right right or even if you there's actually, one part of it uh, yeah there's one part of it but then uh, if you actually don't tell the other person that you have HIV but you take all precautions you know make sure that there's like uh, condoms you know maybe if you, even if you are not having uh, you know maybe like a super low risk uh, sexual activity like uh, oral sex uh, with condoms you know I'm just thinking about like yeah uh, super low risk activities if you don't tell the other person that you have HIV it's a criminal offense Right. Yeah. Okay. In Singapore. In Singapore. That's mm. right. I need to check whether it, if it's in true Malaysia because I feel I, in my research on, on HIV criminalization Malaysia, Malaysia is actually pretty lenient or than relative to Singapore. Uh in my previous research, but I'm not sure whether that's changed or um um whether that's you know true now. Uh but I'll I'll do more research on that because um it feels like Malaysia and Reno, correct me if I'm wrong. If the 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 health ministry is pretty forward looking or rather more progressive in its stance against uh, or not against um on HIV transmission and and prevention um and and with uh people living with HIV. Uh, at least that was my 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 impression of it um when I looked into it a couple of a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, but maybe just before we move on to you equals you, um, I just want to talk a bit more about, um, HIV testing, you know, with your research, right? So have you found any evidence, um, or at least any, um, inclination that the stigma, HIV stigma has a negative effect on testing and uh, what, what, what are the repercussions of that in Singapore that you've seen or your research has, has uncovered? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think one, one reason why I focus on testing also is because the, um, so the UN, UN AIDS or, you know, like the, the joint um, declaration on like HIV AIDS, right, by the United Nations, mm-hmm. uh, they have these like country level goals to end HIV. So they call it the 90-90-90 cascade. So like the goals mm-hmm. are to get 90% of people living HIV know their status. And of this 90%, 90% of them have access to treatment and mm. of those 90% who have access to treatment that they should be virally suppressed or have an undetectable viral load. You ah, know, when you okay. look at Singapore's um, cascade, our first cascade is the lowest. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, even though our second and third are like at like 90 plus percent, you know, we've hit the targets. Uh, what that means is that, you know, there's still a lot of people who don't uh, feel like they are safe enough to test. Um, mm. You know, and are not coming forward for a variety of reasons. HIV stigma, uh, being one super huge like um, uh, uh, you know, reason to not come forward. And mm-hmm. if we unpack HIV stigma, there's a lot of things around it. You know, like maybe one of them. Uh, at least my research found that part of it is the idea of um, you know the severity of HIV or you know how it how it changes your identity. You know, mm-hmm. once you know about it, so like the act of diagnosis, right? You might have it, but you know, as long as I don't test for it, you know, I am not HIV positive. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Yeah, it's like um, I think in like uh, like sociology they call it uh, biographical disruption. Okay. Biography, in some way, and it changes your your identity 
because you know like who I was as a person as like a you know maybe like as like a family member as a employee as a brother as a you know like a partner you know HIV invades and covers mm. all these identities you know so when I don't test for it like I still can retain some normalcy at least in you know my day-to-day living um, that's one aspect of HIV stigma and you know there's also like a very huge aspect where you know like there's this idea of like anonymity and you know this whole like black book right that the government has you oh know, so yeah it's like, if, I read about if that. I test for HIV yeah will, will I will I will everyone else know will my future employers know um, because we've got a registry, right? And mm. this registry yeah. got into the news recently because and it was of leaked, uh, data right? leak. Yes, exactly. correct. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, I guess it 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 doesn't. Yeah, none of this incentivizes people to come forward. To test. Yeah. 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 Actually, this ninety ninety ninety. I mean, this first time I've heard about it. That's interesting. So you say Singapore was quite low on the on the first front. What about the second and third front? Have do, do you have any idea on the stats on that? I think we re- recently uh have been improving. <laughs> so mm. like, I think when we first started measuring, uh, you know, back in like twenty sixteen mm. or something, um, you know, we were at like sixty eight percent for the first ninety, and then mm-hmm. the second and third were like high eighties, low nineties. Uh, which I would expect, you know, because our health system in Singapore, uh, you know, once you are linked to the health system, everything is quite strongly linked, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. so our second and third 90 at the moment are beyond 90%. You know, oh, great. I think this is characteristic of, you know, like uh, small high-income countries where getting getting to the hospital physically, getting access to medication is not as um, uh, huge of a barrier. Um that said, you know, while I say that, you know, I just want to make a point to also point out that, you know, we didn't have HIV medication subsidies only till yeah. 2019. Yeah. <laughs> and it's still quite yeah, expensive, so, right? Like, the, I've seen the price list. Yeah. It's around 300, 400 a month. I could be wrong. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. sorry. I mean, wait, now wait, you can wait, use wait, MediSafe. Uh. When yeah. did, when, when, what, what year was it that there was no... Until like when when did the medical twenty nineteen oh my god that's yeah actually wild. in Malaysia it's pretty good in Malaysia you can get it free from the, the public hospitals hospital. yeah. yeah once you have it you go I mean sure you have to wait I think and there's a maybe a long waiting queue but it's actually free if in Malaysia in Singapore I guess it's wow. privatized <laughs> yeah. it's a privatized healthcare system here almost so that's the difference I guess wow um, yeah. <laughs> So a lot of people were going to like Bangkok mm-hmm. or you know like buying buying it uh, you know like from the Thai Red Cross or yeah. you know like the, the generics over there because you just can't afford yeah. it's crazy that you can't afford medication for your HIV yeah. here prior to 2019 yeah or if you're Malaysian if you're Malaysian passport or and Singapore PR you just fly back to KL or go to JB I guess and then go to a public mm. hospital and, and get meds because it's free um, yeah. Which is, you know, co- something I have to commend, you know, Health Ministry of Malaysia, good for them. Hey everyone, it's O. So what we're going to do here is we're going to actually split the episode into two parts. So you're listening to 
Well, actually, you've just finished listening to part one with Rainer, uh, where we spoke about obviously HIV, um, what it means to be tested, and his research on HIV testing in Singapore. Um, and I know we've talked about uh, getting into U equals U, uh, which means undetectable equals untransmissible, and what that means. So we're going to do this actually in the next episode. Um, so stay tuned. Um, and the reason is because we don't want to dilute the messaging um, and the importance of both of these, you know, distinct yet related topics. So catch us next week and see you in episode 18, where we will speak about the history of HIV. Um, and we'll give a bit of information on what U equals U means. Uh, we'll dive deep into um, how the messaging has been crafted and how it has impacted um, the communities that uh, we're living in uh, currently in the world. So catch you guys next week. Bye! And if people want to get in touch with you right now, I mean, are you open to people to email you or do you have a public Instagram account or Twitter that people might want to reach out to you to get more information? If not, it's fine. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. You can like uh, email me or like, I don't know, just, like, hit me up on Twitter. Like, uh, right. my, my handle is Rainer KJ Tan. And um, yeah, you know, you can just text me there. Cool. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll include it into the episode description for yeah. sure yeah cool. thank you so much for being on the pod there might be a chance we might split this episode into two parts yeah probably like, I, I hope it was uh, it was it was uh, like a good chat and, um, it was great know, uh, yeah thank, thank, thanks so much great alright thanks Reina awesome. we'll speak right. soon thank you yeah. alright bye D bye thank bye you bye, bye. bye.